0: On today's What Fuels You podcast, we're talking to Liz Pierce, who since this recording has become co-founder and CEO of a new startup called Fresh Chalk. We'll have her back again to tell us all about it soon, but until then, here's our conversation. Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25 year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. I'm so excited to have Liz Pierce here with me today. She's brought her daughter, Lila, which is awesome, here to be with us on the What Fuels You podcast. Liz kicked off her impressive career at big-name companies like Sony, Google, Amazon, before starting her own consulting company. And In the last several years, she was a driving force at Liquid Planner as both COO and CEO. She's now the Chief Revenue Officer at Stream. And Liz is a mother of two, an active mentor to women in the tech community, and just an all-around badass. So welcome, Liz and Lila. Takes one to know one. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Liz, we obviously are good friends. And um, one of the things that I think is most surprising, and I don't know if people know this about you, but you're, you grew up in Indiana. So,
1: Yeah, it's the hotbed of, of entrepreneurship.
0: <laughs> like how in the world, in my mind, you're like the women that I met in New York, You're much more of a New York type of woman to me.
1: Yeah. It's probably because my mom is from New Jersey. Got it. And I get a lot of my uh, get up and go from her.
0: Yeah, you definitely have the get up and go.
1: And my dad's from D.C., and so I always kind of associated myself with the East Coast, went to school on the East Coast.
0: My friends from college live on the East Coast, and so I think I got my driving skills on the East Coast. Oh, God, scary. Um, So one of the things, I don't think we even need to loosen ourselves up, but I always love to start these podcasts with a little rapid fire. Um, I first want to know, since this is the What Fuels You podcast, you listen to podcasts, yes? Yes. So what's your favorite podcast? (laughs) It's so embarrassing to admit. What is it?
1: Oh, I like the Oprah the Oprah well, of podcast. Course. Who doesn't? The soul. I don't know. It just seems super like soul? it can get a little cheesy, but I really do like it. No, but it's good. I always listen to it on the
0: plane. I love that. East coast or west coast? East coast. <gasps> Dresses or pants? Pants. Favorite quote: "Feed the eagles, starve the turkeys." <laughs> <laughs> Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Right brain or left brain? Both. Love it. Cool. So, tell me about your parents, because I would love to meet them. I know they're coming this weekend. And are you more like your mom or your dad?
1: I think I get my sense of humor from my dad. He's a writer. He's, you know, just always cracking wise and is a lot of fun to be around. My mom actually was kind of the breadwinner when I was growing up, and so well, that's she a was nice always working. Yeah. And she, you know, she kind of worked in the schools when I was a kid, but then she started a career in the corporate world late in life. She was actually in organizational development and leadership. That's interesting. So she's read every leadership book on the planet. And throughout my career, she's always been kind of um, only once I ask her for advice will she she give it to me. She doesn't offer it
0: freely. And what would you say she um, impressed upon you as far as values? Because you obviously you ended up going to George Washington University, a great school. Was academia... An important value in your home?
1: You know, she she and my dad picked where we lived in Indiana uh, based on the school system. And we were probably one of the, you know, not as well-to-do families in, in the city, mm-hmm. but it had the best schools. And so I think she instilled that value early on with those decisions. But she was very hands-off in my education. She wasn't
0: sitting over my shoulder looking at my homework Filling well, out my college application. I would imagine and it was that like, you don't need that. No, you're no. that you're that kid. I have one of those. Yeah. And so, what about your dad? Where is he in all this? Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> he is always there on yeah. the sidelines. Yeah, super supportive. And um, he has a master's degree in economics. And so he he also, you know, really did well in school. Although he's he's a bit of kind of an anti-establishment, yeah. anti-authoritarian well, guy. You,
0: I would put you in that category too. Yeah,
1: I probably got you a little got that of that from, from him. him too. Uh, But one of the things that my mom always told me when I was, you know, building my career was choose the job where you can learn the most. And I think that that has really kind of helped me make a lot of decisions in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's probably some of the advice I give most often to people I'm mentoring or, or talking to.
0: One of the things when I was reading about you, some of the quotes and just thinking about you, your childhood and just conversations we've had, is that I feel like you're an interesting combo of the business mind and I would put you in the category of a creative
1: Yeah, ironically, I was just talking about this the other day. I thought when I grew up, I would be an artist.
0: Like uh, what kind of artist? Like a fine artist. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Lila, does that surprise you?
2: No, she did. I actually have her old easel and all her art stuff, and I really, really like all the artwork she did. That's
0: awesome. I would
2: love to see it.
1: (laughs) Well, there's probably a reason I'm not an artist today, but... Um, you want to feed the family. Yeah. I, You know, in high school and all the way through college, I took art, and I kind of channeled that into a graphic design role in college, and so okay. that got me into the marketing realm. And, and how did you end up
0: choosing um, GW?
1: I was determined to go to some school in D.C., mm-hmm. so I applied to American, Georgetown, and GW. Why D.C.? And then one fallback school. Um I, maybe because I had family there and my dad was from there and I really was into politics at that time. Mm-hmm. And I ended up studying political communication thinking I'd potentially
0: turn that into a journalism career. So you'd be a journalist slash artist. Yeah. And then you're, now you're a draw, tech like, entrepreneur. Maybe
1: I'd draw like editorial cartoons or something.
0: <laughs> now you're a tech entrepreneur. So you've worked at some killer companies. How did you find those jobs? Was it kind of... Who you know? Did I mean, you go through the regular application process. We're
1: talking such ancient history now that these companies were not that; they were well, small. I mean, Google was five hundred people when I started there. Still Google. I'm still Google,
0: and you still had the intuition to know it's Google. Yeah. And Sony is no. I mean, Sony, Sony. Yeah. Amazon. PlayStation.
1: Yeah. PlayStation. I thought I'd have a lot of like street cred working yeah, in video games for sure. So.
0: so how was the process? How did you make those decisions in your career?
1: So I I went straight to graduate school after undergrad on a fellowship and Mm -hmm. i got a degree in telecommunications Uh, graduated in 2001 and that was right when the whole market fell apart Mm -hmm. the first time Mm -hmm. um, in the century and so i found myself on the west coast and you know a degree in telecom in silicon valley wasn't worth a whole heck of a lot so i got a temp job and i was the executive assistant to the head of legal at sony playstation
0: in San Francisco,
1: in Foster City, yeah, on the peninsula,
0: that is nuts. Yeah, because I used to place a lot of temps in Silicon Valley. Oh, funny! And I always used to say, "You never know," because you someone know. who's smart takes it upon themselves, especially as an executive assistant, to not just move paper from point A to point B, but read what's on the paper, if possible, and have some sort of engagement in it. Exactly. So, so what did you do as a temp? This is fascinating. I mean, I, I like scheduled their leadership offsite, and I, I mean, filed what did things. you do to get yourself in? I don't know. I just showed you were just up. just doing and, the Liz thing?
1: I don't know. I had a master's degree. I guess they, they thought I was like pretty safe to put in a legal department. Yeah. So anyway, but the guy actually ended up offering to send me to law school, pay for me to go. Okay. To like Santa Clara or something like that. And I thought about it for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think Not that would so be a terrible idea. Yeah, I can't really see But you doing can you that. get me a job interview in the marketing
0: department? And that happened. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then why did you end up leaving, and what was the next kind of few choices?
1: Uh, another woman I knew who headed up market research at Google,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we, I knew her just personally as a friend. And she knew
0: what I was doing at PlayStation, and she said, hey, there's an opening at Google. Mm-hmm. What was the culture like at Google, and how did it compare to Sony?
1: It was, it was awesome. I mean, it was just insane mm-hmm. in 2003 at Google. I think I probably worked on average a 17-hour day wow. every day. What do you think I about ate three Lyla? meals a day, seventeen at hours? Really? Yeah, really. I ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner there.
0: Well, was it free? It was free.
1: <laughs> That's not why. I'm just kidding. They have good food. It was really good, and uh, Charlie was the chef, and, and he kind of gained a lot of fame through that role. But I was basically the traffic manager. For okay. all of Google marketing projects. So I had about 200 projects at a time that I was managing and working with writers and designers and the product marketing managers and
0: I feel like that's so outside vendors.
1: For and it was just like, I had these massive spreadsheets and I just would like break my day into five minute increments. This so is I so could, you. I know. It was like... It, that's it, actually the perfect job. It was very exciting yeah, and very challenging. And I learned a ton. I was only there for nine months because we ended up moving to Seattle but it was like was dog that for years. for Doug's job? That was for Doug's job
0: at Microsoft. Okay. Got it. And then you ended up at Amazon. And then I ended up at Amazon. You just have the sniffer for these companies. No,
1: it's all, it's all the network. It's all people. So uh, someone I worked with at, at Google
0: had come from Amazon. So okay. he introduced me to his colleagues there. And how many people were at Amazon at that time? 5,000. Wow. Yeah. And so how was that? Tell me about the Amazon culture. We all know living in Seattle, reading the New York Times article... You've actually been there. I've actually it. been in that article. <laughs> and oh, you were in that article. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, what was your experience like there?
1: Um, it, it was a different culture at Amazon. And I think the role that I initially went into, which was a product management role, was not really a perfect match for my skill set. I was more of a creative and it was a really a pure analytical role. So, I was capable of doing it, but I wasn't really getting a lot of joy from it. Mm-hmm. I ended up moving into a role in the marketing department as a project manager. And project management in marketing at Amazon is you're kind of a technical project manager because we were actually building and deploying new products at Amazon, digital products. Got it. We were actually like, you know, producing revenue versus just spending money, which is what marketing
0: departments are known for. Right. Um, And so I know that they talk about the leadership principles and Amazon takes their culture and their values really seriously. Were there things that you took with you when you went to Liquid Planner from Amazon, that you incorporated into your leadership style? Because I know that you moved your way through at that company and ended up ultimately as their CEO.
1: At Liquid Planner. At Liquid Planner. Not at Amazon. No, no,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
1: think Jeff, Bezos Jeff still like... has that job. Um, I learned a ton at Amazon. And I remember the day I learned I would be becoming CEO of Liquid Planner, I, I immediately thought back to my time in Amazon and what things I wanted to take from that experience and what things I wanted to leave behind. Um, You know, that focus on analytics and data was definitely probably paramount, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, using your intuition to ask the right questions and then using data to validate the answers.
0: For sure. And And to be able to tell the story with some sort of backup.
1: Exactly. You always have to have backup. And I think there's such a culture of preparedness Mm -hmm. and just being ready and, you know, knowing your business Mm -hmm. is so much a part of the fabric of Amazon. No matter what your role is, you just know your business and you're ready At the drop of a hat, to walk into a room, to present about it, to talk about it, to apply what you know to how to move the business
0: forward. Mm -hmm. And kind of that high bar, I think, is something that I've tried to carry through. So one of the things that I love most about you is that I feel like you are the same Liz at work, at home, with your friends. There's not really like any sort of BS. And um, you're extremely authentic. But I'd be curious to know what words your team at Liquid Planner would use about you as far as your leadership style? Oh, gosh. Is that a tough question? That is a tough question. It was a year ago. I have a really short memory. But you were there for a while, and that's when I met you, and you, it was a visible role. And... Um, I know that you have an incredible reputation, so I'm curious to know, or let's say maybe aspirationally, what would you want them to say about you as a leader?
1: Well, I think back to the last couple years of my time at Liquid Planner, and they were really challenging years, both from a business standpoint and from a personal standpoint. And you know, we would have these monthly all-hands meetings, and and I was joking at 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 the end of my time there that I cried in more all-hands meetings than I didn't cry. Oh, interesting. And I think that, People saw me as vulnerable, mm-hmm. and you know that's kind of the the truth about being authentic. Is if you if you're not vulnerable, you're probably not authentic because right. we all are yes, vulnerable, absolutely under our thick skin.
0: Absolutely, um,
1: yeah. I really, really, genuinely cared about the people I work with, and I think that's something that you can't fake. Absolutely. Um, and I was also, you know, I think a hard boss, mm-hmm. so. We were pushing for high performance, and people also want to be pushed. People want to know that their um, their work matters, that people are paying attention to what they do and how they do it,
0: mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully they and felt that way. When did you feel like you were kind of in your flow? Which role at Liquid Planner did you love the most? Was it the CEO role, and if so, which tasks were you like, I love this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I loved every role because with each role I was taking on, more responsibility and learning a new aspect of the business, and that's the most fulfilling part, I think, of of that experience and every experience that I've had in my career is the learning, and you know, at CEO, you're you're meta learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I would get into my flow when during a packed day, you know, I would just be context switching from you know an HR conversation to something about product, mm-hmm. to talking about how the customers were doing, right to You know, leading a team lunch or
0: whatever it is. Right. And And you had to do the fundraising, too, and have board meetings. Right. Did you enjoy the fundraising process? Does anybody enjoy the fundraising process? I've never done it. I think I would be terrified. I don't think anyone enjoys the fundraising process. Did you thrive? I mean, are you good at
1: that? I got it done. Got it done. Got it done. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. I just went down to Sandhall Road and started knocking on doors and
0: pitching by myself. A lot of female executives who have done the fundraising thing and just the numbers speak for themselves. Did you feel that when you were in the room that you weren't heard the same way as a man would with the same information?
1: I suspect there was. Like, you know, with this issue, there's never really concrete proof. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what's hard about it. Um, I thought as much that I had a disadvantage being from Seattle in Silicon Valley, as I did being a woman, right, um, two minority things, two minority things, right. Um, but again, you know, part of it was that I'd never done it before. I didn't know the people I was pitching. That's mm-hmm. something I would do differently this time, right, um, or the next time. And you know, I didn't know the stats that we know now. Now they we weren't, know. you know, they They're weren't being hammered talked into about our, as much as they are now. now. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if I would have been more trepidatious had I known what I was up
0: against. And so did you set the values at Liquid Planner? And what was that process like? Or did you not? We set the that? values as a leadership team right around the
1: time when I when I became CEO. Mm-hmm. And they were really a reflection of the, the team we had at the time and who, who had come on early on and been part of shaping the culture. So mm-hmm. I didn't do it on my own. It was definitely a collaborative process. And I think um, you know, our, our former CEO and co-founder and our CTO and co-founder were instrumental in that. Um, but we all,
0: we all agreed and, and always be learning was, was a fundamental one. Oh, I like that. They yeah. got that from your mom. Mm-hmm. I love that one. And so um, I feel like you have an incredible ability to build relationships and you have a really solid network. Is there a methodology that you use when you're trying to find talent?
1: I wouldn't call it a methodology. I think that the same inclination that um, I have around people, which is just to be naturally curious about them, leads to building a great network and it leads to finding great people to hire mm-hmm. um, because it's about asking questions and mm-hmm. you know seeing who is really in there. And when you do that and you find a connection point with someone, it opens up lots of avenues for how you might work together. Um, how you might help each other, um, and that applies both just in networking in general and also Mm -hmm. in recruiting.
0: Have you found any interview questions that are your go-to questions that help you weed people out faster?
1: I think actually my former investor at Liquid Planner uh, gave me this question, and and it's one I've used quite a bit, which is um, what is is one way the decks were stacked against you growing up? Hmm. And what is one thing you had in your corner growing up. I like that. And it's really about how people overcome adversity and then also how people leverage their strengths and leverage the tools that they have. Mm-hmm. And you really get to see kind of both sides. And I think the best hires that I've ever made are people who have overcome challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting when you get someone who's kind of had the proverbial silver spoon mm-hmm. and they come from a great family and a great background and like everything was easy. Mm-hmm. And if they're able to at least acknowledge that, right, that's half the battle, right. Um, but some of the best hires have been the people that, you know, really had
0: to struggle, right. Lila, what do you think of that? As a twelve-year-old, I'm curious because I, it's really tough as a parent to raise kids. You don't want them really to have adversity. Obviously, everyone has some, but how do you create that grit and that drive and that attitude that we all want in employees?
2: I think it's just something that your environment helps with. Like, it depends really on the environment you grow up in. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to a school where everybody's supporting us and we're not, like, pressured to do anything. And that's, like, we know we're the best selves that we can be. Mm -hmm. I love that.
0: So you feel like you can take risks and feel safe in taking risks. Yeah. And so for you, Liz... I know that the, you and I talk as moms. This is a tough one. Um, and I think you're doing a great job at instilling the values into your kids so that you can launch them well into the world. Like, What, what do you want them to take away from you?
1: Well, my motto for life is cleaning makes everything better.
0: <laughs> can you come to my house? <laughs> clean my house. So whenever something goes wrong at home, I'm like, why don't you clean something? Yeah. It makes you
1: feel like you're in control. Yeah. The best answer is probably to be an example for them. Mm -hmm. I think my kids see me work hard, not just at work, but on their behalf. And even in kind of nurturing and caring for family and friends and um, people in the community. And, you know, I hope that they see that that hard work is its own reward. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't do it because... You're going to get your paycheck or,
0: you know, someone's going to say you're the best. Mm -hmm. But
1: you do it because, you know, it feels good.
0: Yeah, it does feel good. It feels good. You also have a lot of interests and passions outside of work. I know you love to cook and um, you're always reading and doing things to enrich yourself and traveling. Um, What kinds of things do you want to uh, learn in the next 10 years? Ooh, that's a good one.
1: There's so many things I want to do. I think one of the things I feel like has been missing um,
0: in my life and my life with my kids is, you know, doing acts of service together. Well, no, that's not true. You're doing that incredible. You sent it to me with the elderly. Well, that's,
1: yeah, that's that's the thing that we're starting oh, good. to do. But it's really kind of in recognition that that's a whole yeah. You know, we get so focused on our own careers and our own needs. Yeah, that it's you're kind of transacting. Kind of, exactly. It's easy to kind of forget that there are people outside of our little insular circles that have needs that we could help with. Right. And I want my kids to experience being part of that solution. Right. Um. So that's something I want to get more involved in. There's a ton of things, you know there's a ton of things I want to learn. I want to learn a new language. I want to take my kids to a new country every year. Yeah. I want to you know, become a better cook. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading around Buddhism and meditation. I want to get sleep. Sleep. Mm-hmm. I want to become a better sleeper.
0: Well, I love when we had breakfast, um, I think it was last month, and we were talking about the book that you read on sleep. And then you had put together your geeked out PowerPoint presentation and we sat in the restaurant and you reviewed it with me. But to me, I'm like, leave that breakfast feeling inspired and feeling like, how can I be better? And I love that you're not just satisfied um, with where you've come, but you're still looking forward to where can I go?
1: You don't make a PowerPoint after you read a book?
0: (laughs) I don't read a book. (laughs) <laughs> I do audio yeah. and podcasts. No, I I love to read, but I love having friends like you who can sum it up for me in a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, you probably didn't
1: expect to look at a PowerPoint
2: over I breakfast. loved
0: it. I actually shared it and um and I felt super inspired and I think that people can learn from you. There's a lot to learn beyond just when they see you on a panel or, you know, read an article that you were quoted in. Um you're living it and I think without even realizing it, you're sharing little wisdom nuggets um in your friendships and in your parenting right what would yeah. you say you've learned from your mom
2: well she did teach me how to cook a lot of stuff
0: oh lucky
2: yeah with and waffles i
0: know you make waffles
2: yes and i've started like doing things by myself like i just recently made like matzo balls and oh, i like to make nice bread Jewish girl. i know look at you. Telling you i love it
0: fluffy matzo balls do they? Did you use seltzer? No, that's one of the tricks the Jewish women. Will oh, maybe about. you can make some tonight. Yeah, make some matzah tonight. I'll teach you how to make challah, the challah bread. It's really good. It always derails me though awesome. from my healthy eating because it's really good out of the oven. Um, so, future soul, Shauna, my future future soul. Um, so, how have you gotten this into? Um, mentoring young women and carrying it over into the school that Lila going to. And kind of where does this come from?
1: You know, people will ask you to mentor and I try to say yes to those requests. Um, I've also kind of gotten involved in a lot of the organizations that are leveraging our community to help the students and the participants do better. So things like code.org, the Ada Academy, um, University of Washington. I'm part of the board for the Burke Center for Entrepreneurship. And all of those organizations, by joining them, you're kind of instantly connected with people who need mentors. Um, And I think you get just as much as you give Mm -hmm. when you mentor someone. So many of the people that I've worked with along the way,
0: and it's usually informal. It's not like we're going to meet every Thursday.
1: From Mm -hmm. 9 to 10.
0: It's just, if you need me, I'm here, and I'm going to check in on you. We'll have coffee.
1: We'll talk about your problem and
0: see what we can do to to problem solve. Mm -hmm. And have you had a mentor? I've had 100 mentors.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Men, women? Yeah. Both. Anybody who will talk to me. (laughs) I remember, actually, I've told this story a couple times, but you must know Dan Shapiro. Yes. From Glowforge. Um, Yes. He's been very helpful over the years, and he was the first person who looked at my pitch deck before I went to go fundraise.
0: Okay. And I showed it to him, and he goes... This is terrible. <laughs> that's a good friend. That's a good friend. Straight up, yeah. You would have wanted it no other way. Exactly. Yeah, that's and, great.
1: And so, when it comes to Seattle Girls School, which is where Lila attends, um, I got introduced to the school by a board member. I went to give just a talk on a Friday to their community meeting, and then some fellow entrepreneurs and I had the idea to to take some of the girls out into the community and let them see female led businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, and talk about some of the themes in entrepreneurship, and that really kind of, I
0: think, got Lila interested in the school, and that's what she ended up choosing for middle school. Nice work! I love that. I wish you could parlay that into like a real thing for all schools, like a national movement. Yes, yeah. I'm serious. It's I kind think of a lot so. Of work.
2: I'm sad you don't still do it at my school. Just, it's yes. not fair. I we want to do You might
0: need to start it up again this year. Start it up again. Can this we come year. to Fuel? You can come. Totally come to Fuel. Okay. We'll hook it up. Yeah, and what about the thing that I judged—the business contest? I thought that was super cool. What was that thing? I
1: think that's for the eighth graders. I, I think, think that they, was eighth graders because yeah, they take what they learn in seventh grade and in eighth grade,
0: come up with a business plan and pitch it to the community. Yeah, they did a great job. I have to say, I was yeah. impressed. It was very difficult. That's to a really fun day. Yeah, I loved that. That was awesome. And so you're you're balancing the mentoring, you're balancing cooking, you're balancing listening to your Oprah podcast and work and motherhood and exercise and you know sleep. Do you have any hacks for us? I mean, can of give a few nuggets from your PowerPoint on um, your time management? Are you still doing that? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of a productivity nerd. I know, but I, I, mean, I, mean, I want to learn from that. I'm sure our listeners want to learn from that. Yeah. People want to take away from your ability to manage your time so well. So
1: the company that I work for is based in Portland. Okay. And because of that, I go to Portland all the time. The office is near Powell's Books. I'm sure you've been to Powell's. I have. Yeah, the city of books. I love that place. And I was just wandering around one night, and I came upon this book called Rest. And um, I'm going to butcher the guy's, the author's name, but it's called Rest. And it's all about improving your creativity. And when I read it, it really kind of woke me up to the fact that I've been on autopilot with how I use my time for a long time. I think a lot of us are. It's kind of like, get up, get the kids out of the house, work, 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 work. Exercise try. Maybe, maybe not. Eat. Eat a lot. Drink. Drink a lot. And then just, you know, kind of pass out at the end of the day because you're just so exhausted. And all of the things that you have to do for your life outside of work, just stack up and create this mental burden and this feeling of guilt and distraction and, and this idea that you're never getting anything really done. And so inspired by this book, I kind of took a week and hacked my schedule and I started changing
0: things around. So, what does it look like now? Give us the like net net of yeah. your day.
1: The net net is that I wake up early in the morning, at five, and I spend an hour doing a really focused creative work. The thing that I have to, you know, the time I have to be most creative is that time of the day. So, if I have to write something, if I have to do an analysis, if I have to prepare for something creative, I do it between five fifteen and six fifteen. Then it's get the kids up. And get them ready for school, and then come right back and work straight through for ninety minutes. And then the rest of the day becomes this idea of really focused ninety-minute intervals of work,
0: and then a break of some kind. I love that. And then what was the thing that we were talking about where you get to focus on? The daily on... theme? Yes, this I, I made that. up. I love this that. Is the this part. was a big nerdy takeaway for me. Yeah,
1: I mean, I love to-do lists, and I have a bunch of them, and I you know try to keep myself pretty organized, but. You know, the the things that are stacking up, those inventory of undone things, um, I didn't have an answer to. And when I started looking more carefully at my time, I decided to basically give each day a theme.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, What's today's theme? Does today have a theme? Today's self.
0: Oh, but we get to be a part of that. Yeah. Are we getting mani Petty or something after? Oh, we
2: should.
1: <laughs> um, and self, so okay. yeah, so I have a theme for each day and on that day I spend half hour or an hour tackling something on that to-do list. So Monday is kids and community. okay Tuesday is health and wealth. Wednesday is home. okay Thursday is friends and family. I hope people and Friday are writing this is down. Self. This
0: is the best ever.
1: And so when something new pops up that I need to take care of, I just put it on that list and when that day rolls around, I try to tackle it. I
0: love that. Versus trying to do all things at all times all and kind of doing times. 50% it's so overwhelming. of everything.
1: Yeah. yeah. So if I, if I have to that. like,
0: you know, sort of reconfigure my 401k, I do it on Tuesday. I love but I'm
1: not that. doing it on self day.
0: Heck no. I really, really like this. Well, I, obviously, you and I can talk for hours, but I guess um, I have one more question. This is more a mom question. How has it been different being a mom than how you thought it was going to be or than how you were raised?
1: Oh, I wish I could raise my kids the way my mother and father raised us. Um, You know, the world is just different. Yeah. It's different now than it was when I had Lila Mm -hmm. and then James after that. Um, It's a lot harder to connect with all of the devices and distractions. Um, I think the thing that I took from my childhood that is really important to me is, you know, eating meals together. So we eat breakfast together every morning and have dinner together every night. That's amazing.
0: That's really amazing. And that's I don't know if do. Lila would say it's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. It
2: is. You make really good food.
1: Yeah. And, and mealtimes are kind of like the carved out space where we're not on devices. We're just paying attention to each other. And I hope we can t- continue that for as long as they're under my roof. Lila's ready to,
0: to jump ship as soon as possible. But Are you really? Do you know where you want to go to college? Yeah. You do already? Where do you I'm want to go? I'm going to GW. Oh, you're going to GW. Yeah. All right. I have a good friend whose daughter is there, and she's loving it. So that's awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for being on it. Do you have any other questions for me? I have a question for yes. you. Yes.
1: What would you think about a Fuel Kids podcast that maybe you and Lila could do together?
0: Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, I think Jordan would— Or, or Layla. Layla. Oh, Layla would take over. Layla and Lila. We could just do a kids a kids podcast. I did do a kids video. I don't know if you ever saw it. But it, it was also called What Fuels You? And um, this tagline for Fuel Talent came really organically, and it matches so much. Like, what fuels you? What gets you up in the morning? What, what's your passion? And um, some of these kids now, we did it the first year, and now the company's five years old, and these kids are now older, and it was so cute. They were like, I want to be president, oh, and awesome. I, I'm fueled by football, and you know, just random things. And it was fun. But I think a Fuel podcast for kids would be awesome. Thank you so much for being here on What Fuels You. And um, for those who want to email, it's podcast at fueltalent.com or follow us on social media. I'm sure Lila will post this on her Instagram. Yeah. Insty. Not Is that the cool Insty no. Insta? No. What do we call it? Instagram. Just straight up? Okay. Thanks for- <laughs>
1: Don't keep... try to be too cool. <laughs> I am it cool. It always backfires for me.
0: My kids think I'm, what's it called? Cringy. Yeah. Am I cringy? Just a little bit?
2: It's a mom thing. (laughs) I can't wait for you to be
0: a mom. Yay. Well, thanks, guys. Perfect note to end it on. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast@fueltalent.com at to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.